Welcome to the Xbox Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan. This week, we have got a lot of news to cover. It has been a weird week for news. Let me tell you, we're going to be covering Gamescom, how it pertains to Xbox and Sony, some of the news that came out for them, some of the general news that came out for the actual industry, as well as some of the games that are coming out, as well as did actually come out this week. There's a lot to talk about this week, so hopefully I can keep it within an hour. I'm going to trim out some of the, the lesser stories that may not interest you or pertain to you in the future uh and and we'll kind of keep things focused in kind of in the next couple weeks here what's going to be important for the next coming weeks so with that we're going to be talking about the dual sense edge controller why sony is hiking the prices of their consoles in certain markets why other console manufacturers aren't we're going to be talking about phil spencer and some thoughts on exclusives as well as grounded and uh, saints rose come out so we're going to be talking about that as well as some possible acquisitions when there's smoke there's fire they say so we're going to be talking about that and we're going to be diving into gamescom there's a lot to go over i got the big highlights out of the uh the opening night uh, live from Jeff Keighley, the games that you should know that are coming out, some of the ones that got announced, and I think some ones that you might want to keep your eye on. So we'll kind of take a look at those, see how they go, see what you think about them. And of course, there's one game that I love that I'm going to be talking about, and that's Destiny 2. We're going to be talking more about that. So with that, let's get into it. Let's start off the episode with uh, some of the general gaming news before we jump into the different consoles or Gamescom. Uh, there's been some interesting rumors that have come out and these are pretty fresh. So we don't have a whole lot of news about them except that most people seem to think that they are not actually true. There's been a lot of people touching base with people, uh, with other people who should know what's going on. Um, so according to sources, and people who are, are uh, in the know about this, um, EA was uh, potentially going to be bought by Amazon, which is a, a very interesting rumor. So we're going to go to VGC, which has the article written up. This article is actually something that came from a Swedish uh, article that came out called, uh, I think the article was, I think they were called like, good luck, have fun. Um, and according to CNBC, um, there were some talks uh, about markets and uh, stock markets and things like that. Um, apparently, EA was uh, potentially going to get purchased by either Disney, Apple or Amazon. And a lot of people were thinking that Amazon was the one that was actually going to be um, the ones to purchase them. Um, according to sources, this is not actually going to be happening um, some people had reported on this saying that there was going to be an announcement today uh, on Gamescom, which was interesting to think about that that could potentially happen. But what ended up happening was uh, during the market today for the stock market, there was a huge spike in uh, shareholders for the EA like stock ticket no, like name. Like EA just had a huge surge in, in share prices, which was really great for people that own shares of EA um, because they probably end up selling uh, some of those to, to try and make a profit, knowing that this was probably not going to be the case. Um, what's really interesting here is that there has been a lot of talk about manufacturers or not manufacturers, console makers uh, looking to scoop up more and more publishers with the uh, Bethesda, Activision, 
um, with the Bethesda deal, that was kind of interesting because it was uh, ZeniMax Studios with a host of other studios, and they're self-publishing, so it's kind of like there there was there was taking a, a big large portion of certain types of games off of the market and putting them just on uh, Microsoft's ecosystem. With this uh, Microsoft Activision deal, we've recently seen that, I believe it was in Saudi Arabia, that there has been the first approval of the actual deal. Uh, now that doesn't mean that it's a done deal, it just means that one country um, who oversees businesses in their in their in their country uh, are approving of the Mac Microsoft Activision deal, and that they don't see it as a monopoly. Now, how other markets choose to weigh in on this uh, in other countries is, is yet to be seen, which is why these usually take a while for a deal this big to go through. You have to push it through all of the different regulatory uh, governments in different countries to make sure that it's legal. If they have any issues, then it has to get into brought into litigation and all this other stuff that I don't know a whole lot about. So I try not to really mess with uh, speaking too much on it unless I'm actually quoting someone who's going to be talking about this. But EA is one of those uh, uh, companies that to me really does seem to not know what they want to do um, as I kind of sit back in my chair and relax a little bit. Um, EA constantly makes a ton of money, especially off of their sports games. Um, and in fact, their FIFA franchise is the one that probably pulls in the most amount of money uh, from microtransactions. Meanwhile, you've got EA trying to say uh, out of one side of their mouth that single player games are not very uh, lucrative for them, that, they, that they're not really the future of, of EA. Well, uh, on the other side of the thing, they're sitting there saying that uh, EA has a, a strong tie to single player games and that they are, are looking forward to bringing more and more to uh, the industry in the future with like games like Star Wars, uh, Jedi Fallen Order in the, in the sequel as well as a multitude of other games that they have uh, kind of at their behest to, uh, to to be putting out for gamers. Um, so they really don't know where they're going to be making money from. They know that they're getting better, um, what's it, uh, it's like better kind of an, an opinion from the gaming community when it comes to their company uh, with the single player games that they're putting out. But they're also looking at the fact that they are making a ton of money off of loot boxes and stuff. Uh, so in microtransactions and they're they're having to really kind of compete with um, what they want to do with their company, because obviously they want to try and make as much money as they possibly can because they're behest to their or beholden to their shareholders who are constantly asking for increased profits. Um, and in in this kind of situation ea is going to do whatever they can just like activision blizzard is um or when activision blizzard gets bought out then microsoft will start kind of taking a look at the studios and seeing like how they can best make money um is their best plan to try and increase the value of game pass because game pass is the unifier for a lot of studios and their content knowing that that is going to be the thing that really kind of pulls in the most uh secure amount of revenue for microsoft and, and xbox um much like their microsoft office as well as uh their 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 other ventures that they have to kind of obviously make revenue so with this it seems interesting that ea is looking to get a little more security possibly by being bought out by a company like disney apple or amazon we know that uh, Disney has recently um, started uh, licensing out their IPs to different studios to have companies 
start building games with their franchises um, to try and build a little better brand recognition with IPs that they've held on to for a long time that they haven't really done anything with. Apple has continued to struggle in the games industry. They, they really don't know how to break in, and they think that their ecosystem is, is the holistic approach to bringing games to, uh, to, to market. Um, which I think is very interesting because they really did kind of kick it off with mobile games. Like they started off with mobile games. They had a set price and people paid that price and then they got a game. And then eventually the race to freemium uh, happened and games went from uh, being $25 and $30 uh, for really good games like Final Fantasy VII uh, and Final Fantasy VI and V and the, the ones that they brought to mobile um, and then they eventually got to free to play games where there were in-game transactions. And then those microtransactions are what really kind of propped up the, uh, the, the ecosystem for Apple. As a result of that, uh, there was a lot of backlash. A lot of people didn't want to have to deal with ads that a lot of people, and that's kind of how it started too. They started putting ads in, in video games and people were paying for premium editions of those games to get rid of the ads. And then eventually people just realized that they could make money off of, um, kind of building games that have limitations in in energy or currency or whatever you want and you had to purchase more of that that uh the, the time locked uh resource to be able to continue playing the game that was really addictive and games that were just games that you could sell and buy uh holistically without any kind of like ties to to uh microtransactions fell by the wayside. In fact, uh, I think Nintendo tried to get into the market with the Super Mario game. And they even released a, a small demo version of the Super Mario game, like the one button jump run through the levels game. And then they sold the game uh, at, a, at a fixed price that had the full game. And what happened was is that nobody bought it. Nobody, well, I bought it, but nobody really bought it. Nobody really, a lot of people downloaded it and the free version, but nobody really bought the game. Um, whereas other games uh, that they had on market that were free to play and had free free transaction or had uh, paid transactions in there, especially uh, rarity type of games where you had to try and get the better quality of a character to be able to do better in the game. Those uh, sold really, really well because people are more um, willing to spend money on a, a microtransaction for a game that they know that they like, as opposed to paying an upfront cost for a game that they don't know that they like. And, uh, that's always kind of been the biggest issue. It's why we have demos and trials for games. Uh, we want to know how it plays. We want to know if it's something we like, which is why the games industry even has reviewers and Metacritic scores and open critic scores and all that jazz. I'm explaining a lot of stuff that you guys already know, so I'll skip ahead. Seeing all of that kind of come to, to the rumor mill, which I hate talking about rumors because usually when you talk about rumors all you're doing is propping up a, a, a bunch of people to think that something's going to happen when you don't actually know if anything's going to happen sure there's rumors about it but there's rumors about everything i can tell you right now that xbox is building a new console right now they are testing a brand new console i can't tell you what the name is i can't tell you who's working on it but i know for a fact that xbox is working on a new console how do i know that because that's how these companies work they put out a console and then they immediately turn around that team and start working on the next console. They start testing out iterations. They start going through designs, implementation, testing out what they want to do, what kind of features they want to bring. It never ends. 
And that's why console generations have started to take a little bit longer is because they're starting to try and future proof some of these consoles so that they aren't having to turn around a whole new console uh, within a, a, a four to five year time frame. Instead, what they'll do is they'll take the console that they have, they might refine it, uh, update some of the graphics or, or boost the, the specs of it a little bit more, but essentially keep it the same system with the same architecture and then release a updated version of that console. Um, so things like this with the rumors like that, and then taking a look at this and thinking like, okay, well, how does Amazon play into to EA? Well, Amazon's probably one of the better companies that you could take a look at and say, I can see why they are trying to buy a publisher slash studio uh, company, something like an EA. And it's because they failed so far to really capitalize on the uh, opportunities that they have with gaming. They're trying to bring games to market. They own Twitch. They're giving away games through Twitch Prime uh, or through Amazon Prime, through Prime Gaming. Um, they're constantly making deals with manufacturers or not manufacturers, publishers and developers to have content released through their Prime Gaming uh, system to continue buying into the value of Amazon Prime because every every couple of years they increase the cost of Amazon Prime. I think it's like 115, 125 bucks now for a full year. And that starts getting kind of pricey, but a lot of people still really value a lot of the stuff that comes with that Amazon Prime. You get Amazon Music, you get Amazon Movies, you get Twitch Prime Sub, uh, you get uh, Prime Gaming um, perks for different games as well as full games as well each month uh, on top of like the uh, free uh, two two day shipping and stuff like that. So people will find the value if they if they utilize all of the different um, resources that Amazon has with with uh, Prime. But Amazon still doesn't quite know how to maintain studios. They don't know how to maintain and publish games. Uh, I think their best to date is actually New World. And even that was really roughy, roughy, really rocky uh, at the start. And they really didn't know how to approach it. Um, so seeing them look at EA, which is an established publisher with many development studios working on projects currently, would be an easy get for them because not only could you buy all of that and have development and publishing covered, but then you could easily integrate that into Prime, what I think they want to do. I think they really want to do that because right now they are trying to push Luna, which is their streaming service, much like uh, Game Pass Ultimate is, but Luna is more in line with Stadia, which is failed because Google likes to cancel projects all the time. Not that Amazon doesn't. Amazon cancels projects all the time. Uh, if you don't believe me, go look up their Amazon phones and tell me what happened to those. But much like Google, uh, they're trying to get into the streaming game service because streaming, whether people believe it or not, is the future of gaming. Eventually, we will get to the point where infrastructure is uh, equal and on par with native uh, native uh, running of games. And you will not be able to tell the difference between a game that is being streamed and a game that is playing natively. Eventually, we will hit that point where those two lines intersect. I don't think that line is there. I don't, I don't think that intersection point is there. I don't think that we're going to be there in the next three years. Um, but maybe in the next 10, I, I could definitely see us getting to the point where uh, uh, bandwidth is fast enough, latency is low enough, ping is low enough, and monitors and, and consoles 
are adapted to the point where we start being able to play games streaming from the internet to our consoles to or, or to our screens in a way that is as seamless as playing on native hardware um, and eventually isps will have to accommodate that and i think amazon sees that that is the best way to go because you you're not beholden to the the hardware at that point the way that like uh sony or microsoft or nintendo are especially with nintendo and sony getting lawsuits over uh digital rights or hardware uh malfunctions in their in their uh, designs you start to take a look at streaming and think like okay well that's the best way to go because all you have to do is sell a controller people have tvs so if they have tvs and they can download software all you have to do is get them in the door with the controller and the subscription. And if you can give them a free subscription through Prime, then you're golden. And if you don't believe me, go take a look at the Twitch uh, website. If you if you go to Twitch and you take a look at Discover, there's something called... Uh, well, let me take a look at it so I can quote it here. Uh, Discover Luna is already on Twitch. And if you go to that, it'll take you to Amazon's website. And Amazon will then show you what luna is it is cloud gaming and it just says play free with prime games for everyone play on your devices and it doesn't matter you click okay and it immediately shows you like games that have like guest mode what's available the mega man legacy collection resident evil 2 remake resident evil 3 remake uh origami super monkey ball um jackbox games which is great uh for if you're playing with other people you click okay and it says prime members already get access to mist control garfield cart uh street assault in games that like there's retro channels like there's a capcom arcade studio there's a castlevania collection there's jackbox jackbox uh there's tetris effect uh yakuza zero ghost runner tokyo um saints row the third uh they, they've got a bunch of games already on here um in in indivisible if you're if you're not if you like indie games cross code if you like indie games um as well as ubisoft plus channel which is basically ubisoft's version of having access to all of their games kind of like game pass but just focused on ubisoft so when i take a look at the idea that amazon is looking to purchase an established development studio or studios uh, with a publisher like EA, that means that all of that is going to get pushed over to Amazon Prime Gaming the way Microsoft Activision's deal is going to take all of the games like Crash Bandicoot, uh, Spyro, Diablo, Overwatch, like all of those games, um, not including the content that comes from King, because I don't really know that any of that would actually work. Uh, but all of the games that are standalone um, IPs that are not like multiplayer MMOs or Call of Duty, because they've already established where the where, what they're going to do with Call of Duty in the future, uh, are going to make their way to Game Pass. And Amazon's looking to get a bite of that market because they understand, much like what Microsoft has been doing, streaming is where it's going to be in the future and streaming means you can access a lot more devices than just the people that are purchasing your console because consoles are for the dying breed of people who love to have a a dedicated piece of hardware and i in i say this with full disclosure i have an xbox one x next to me i am on my pc i have an xbox series x and a ps5 in the living room and an xbox series x in the bedroom i have a two-bedroom apartment i do not make that much money these were not smart choices but i'm doing it anyway but 
I, I, I tell you right now, like streaming is the future and we will eventually get to that point. So when we talk about rumors, when it comes to publishers being purchased by bigger companies, especially Amazon, Apple, and Disney, uh, those are the ones you got to be afraid of. Like NetEase, uh, uh, is, or no, not NetEase. NetEase makes uh, mobile games. What is that other one that's it's like Net10 or something? I can't remember, but it's a Chinese uh, uh, company that's purchasing a bunch of um, studios. So they purchased uh, Riot, and now that's, it's bugging me that I can't remember what it is, but they're ones that I'm worried about. Uh, Embracer Group is another one that I'm worried about because I don't know much about them or their intents, uh, but they they are going through with the purchase of different studios. In fact, they're they're closing in on the deal for the games that Square Enix shed uh, their Western studios, the ones in Canada and Crystal Dynamics that are making uh, the Hitman games, which is they're going to be moving into the Bond game as well as uh, Crystal Dynamics, which is currently helping out with Perfect Dark. Uh, like those studios are now going to be under the Embracer umbrella. And I, I'm very curious to see how that plays out in the future because not it's it's one of the few companies out there um, that is like a like an EA that will buy a bunch of studios like an Activision Blizzard and they will then make those companies do what those companies can to make the most amount of money. And I'm wanting to know what that's going to look like. So it was very curious. Um, but I've, I've gone on a long time to try and talk about something that I think really is kind of interesting because when you take a look at what else is going on amidst these rumors of EA being purchased, WB was purchased by Discovery Channel. Uh, which is just Discovery. So now Warner Brothers is owned by Discovery, which is a very weird thing to think about. Um, but they have been killing off franchises, uh, or not franchises, TV shows. Uh, they've been killing off movies. They've been delaying movies that should be coming out for reasons unknown. And the only thing that doesn't seem to be getting the hatchet is the game department. There are 11 studios that Warner Brothers has. And I'm actually very happy about this because... For a while there, we were hoping that WB would sell off their game studios and that personally, Warner Brothers would be able to be uh, picked up by Microsoft because I knew as soon as Warner Brothers studios were picked up by Microsoft, all of their games would be brought to Game Pass. So I'd get to play all of the Mortal Kombat's, all of the Justice League, or no, what is it? Just, uh, no, in, Injustice uh, games. I'd get all of the, um, oh, I just blanked on the other ones. All of the other games that the studios, all the Batmans, that's what it is. All the Batman games would come um, potentially because we don't really know. Like the studios can make those, but Warner Brothers owns the rights to the to, to a lot of those IPs. So we don't know if necessarily what would actually come and what wouldn't. Um, but those studios have actually been doing really good. They just came off the back of uh, the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. Uh, they just launched Multiverses, which is uh, free-to-play Smash-like brawler, which has done really, really well. We've got um, Gotham Knights coming out in October, which I think will be a solid seven. Um, I don't think it'll be... Uh, an, it, I'll be surprised if it's an eight, um, but I think it'll be a solid seven, seven and a half out of ten. Um, Hogwarts Legacy is coming in February, which I think will definitely be like an eight, eight and a half. Um, I don't think we're getting close to nines, but I, I think that's going to be a really good game. Um, and then Suicide Kill the uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is coming in 2023. So Warner Brothers, taking a look at the lineup of the studios that they have and what they've been working on, 
I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what the future of uh, those studios is going to be post Suicide Squad, because I think we kind of know what what's going to be going for them in the future. Um, but we still don't know what the next Mortal Kombat or Injustice game is going to be. We don't even know if that's going to be a thing. I would love to hear that uh, Microsoft is handing a giant bag of cash over to NetherRealm to be able to revitalize the Killer Instinct franchise because I think Killer Instinct is still one of those shooters that I have a lot of reverence for, um, even though I'm terrible at it. I still absolutely love the characters that they that they put in that game. And I think uh, it, it still stands the test of time when it comes to uh, shooters, and or not shooters, uh, brawl, fighters? Fighters. And um, things like Street Fighter Six coming out is going to be a really really great way to take a look at fighters and think where can we move forward where can we where can we start playing around with some of the art and style of these games uh to make them a little more interesting than just kind of what we're used to um because i think that uh nether realm has been doing a great job and i think where they're excelling really does come to the story of fighter games something that most people generally don't really think about when it comes to fighters because fighters are more technical games uh, much like um, racing sims and uh, flight sims like those are more technical games but you can still have a good amount of fun with them um, and i think that's where nether realm has been doing a fantastic job uh, above most other studios um, but when looking at street fighter 6 and what capcom's doing with that i really kind of wonder what we could do with a killer instinct uh, made by Capcom or by NetherRealm. So some real interesting stuff. That's going to cover the general news, the business aspect of uh, what happened this week. Again, it's been a super, super weird week for news, and we haven't even really dived into the console-specific news, uh, let alone what's been going on with Gamescom. So uh, I'm going to take a quick break, get something to drink, and then I'll be right back uh, after this. All right, so let's get into the Sony news. Um, there has there's been good news and there's been bad news with Sony, and I, I'm kind of I'm kind of disappointed in Sony. Uh, as much as I love their studios and their games, um, every once in a while they just do something that I think is really fucking stupid. And in this case, uh, they're deciding that they're going to hike the prices of their consoles in certain markets, which I. I genuinely cannot understand how you can make millions of dollars and still not be able to keep your consoles at the prices that they're at. Now, the prices are not going up everywhere. They're just going up in certain markets. They're going to be effective soon, if not immediately. And the 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 amount that they're going up isn't necessarily something that's really that much higher than currently what they are, but they are going up. Um, so let's talk about which which markets are going to be affected. Europe, the UK, Japan, China, Australia, Mexico, and Canada. Um, which I, I think is is again really just it's so stupid. And you may be wondering why not uh the US? And I, I think that's because the US itself is a country that would probably get the most backlash um in in a in a in an industry where your competitors are very strong uh the nintendo switch sells a ton of consoles in the u.s 
and Microsoft is a US-based console manufacturer. So those two companies are very strong in the in in the United States. And because of that, I think if you were to raise the prices, you would see immediate backlash uh, from all all of the different media junkets out there. And not to say that people aren't covering this, um, but I, I think that a lot of, of, of Americans, to be very selfish about this, really won't care because they're not directly impacted. So there's not going to be a lot of guff about this, but there really honestly should be because just looking at Europe, um, speaking to the Euro, the PS5 with disc is going up 50 bucks. Um, so that is going to be $550. The uh, $400 version, the, the non-disc version is going up to $449.99. So each of those is going up 50 bucks. Um, the UK is a little tougher for me to judge because I don't remember what the actual uh, the actual price hike is. Um, but the prices that they're going to be uh, uh, going up to is oh, actually no, I, I take that back. You know, let me take a look at Tom Warren's article over at The Verge. He went ahead and listed out the prices before and after. So the UK is going uh, for the disk drive version from 449 uh, pounds or 450 pounds to 480 pounds, which doesn't sound like a lot, but the, the pound is actually pretty strong. So the, the margin there is is pretty similar to that $50 gap. Um, same thing with the PS5 Digital Edition. It was 360 pounds. Uh, it is going up to 390 pounds, which, again, if you're taking a look at that, the, 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 the number is smaller than what we're paying in the U.S., but the value of the pound is much higher. In Japan, uh, they go by yen. Um, so the number is going to sound really big, but keep in mind that the price is right about the same. Uh, before, the the disk drive version was 49980 which is just shy about five. It's a little over 500 bucks, I think, American. Uh, it is going up to 60478 yen. So a, a bit of a hike there genuinely um and same thing with the the digital edition it's going from 39,980 to 49,478 and I'm just to give you an idea we'll put this into yen to US so it's going from uh let's see so it is going to be $359 compared to the 290 uh which is is absolutely crazy because the value of the yen has continued to drop not by much but still a fair amount over the last year um over the last five years how's it been oh my god yeah in 2020 march 2022 it dropped like a rocket that's insane uh, so anyway, it's, it used to be a lot higher back in like 2012, and then it had a small spike. I don't know why I'm going over this. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so going back to the article, taking a look at the rest of them, uh, Australia, notoriously high prices for, for consoles and stuff out there. Uh, a PS5 was $750 out there. It's going to be $800 now. $800 for a PS5 with a disk drive, $600 for the digital edition, six, uh, $650 now for that new edition. Um, Canada, Canada, again, the uh, dollar is not worth 
nearly as much as it is in the US. So the price is already a little bit higher than it normally should be. And they're not even getting paid more for it, unfortunately. Uh, PS5 with the disk drive was 630 bucks. It is now going to be 650 bucks. The digital editions going from $500 to $520. Um, and there's really no excuse for this. They're already hiking the price of their games from 60 to 70. And these will go into effect on September 15th. Um, I don't know how a company that makes profit uh now obviously like in the last quarter they were below market they were below what they what they shot for 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 actual revenue but they were still up over what they normally make year to year um so i really don't know how a company that consistently makes millions and millions of dollars in pure profit not just like you know making a year but in profit they still make millions of dollars a year they're willing to increase the price uh, and then say that our top priority continues to be improving the PS5 su supply situation so that as many players as possible can experience everything PS5 offers uh, and what's still to come from. And that's from uh, Jim Ryan, the, the president of uh, Sony America, I think. Um, so basically, uh, or yeah, yeah, he's president and CEO of uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment. Quote, we're seeing high global inflation rates as well as adverse currency trends impacting consumers and creating pressure on many industries, he says. Based on these challenging economic conditions, SIE, which is Sony Interactive Entertainment, has made the difficult decision to increase the recommended retail price. It's no longer the MSRP, the, the, um, it's now the recommended retail price or the RRP of PlayStation 5 in select markets across Europe, Middle East, Africa, Asia, Pacific, and Latin America, as well as Canada. So I think this is really, really shitty. Um, you're, you're making a hard to make, you're making a hard to get console even harder by increasing the cost of it when we were just finally getting to the point where people have been able to buy these uh, consoles at retail prices and not have to scalp them. We had to scalp this thing for over a year and people were paying exorbitant amount of prices for a PS5, like $900 in the US for, uh, for PS5s that people were buying through bots because retail manufacturers didn't have their shit together. And now that we're finally to the point where uh, scalpers are no longer scalping these things, uh, you're gonna hike the price like it's a like it's a, a a VR headset from Facebook. Like fuck off, man! <laughs> like just stop gouging people for this. Uh, it, it's it's the PS3 situation all over again, where they came out a hundred dollars over the Xbox 360, and their response was, "It's worth it." You, you're going to want to get a second job for it. And it's like, really, that's your take. That's that's the take that you want to have on this. This is that's the the thing you want to tell people you want to get them to, to get a second job so that they can afford this thing that they that you say has to be done. Like, come on. So I'm really disappointed with this. Um, I think Jim Ryan really just like some of the shit that he does just really does not make sense all the time constantly just sitting there looking at things and being like you you say that th that the ps5 is the the generation that they're, they're focusing on the future and that they that's why they're not going to be uh making any more games for ps5 because they're going to focus in on the future of the of the consoles and ps5 is where it's going to be 
and then the shortages happened you couldn't get a ps5 and they're like well we're going to continue to make the ps4 because uh clearly it's in demand still uh and we're going to release uh all of our ps5 exclusives as ps4 games as well and then they're like all right we're going to make sure that all of these games um have uh, a free upgrade to the ps5 uh and then all of those games got delayed out of the launch window which is apparently was in the first year of the actual console being launched so there's no longer going to be a free upgrade to the ps5 version uh and they're like well from now on we're going to just have a ten dollar uh, increase between the PS5 version and the PS4 version. So the PS4 version will be the $60 and the PS5 version will be $70. And then they're like, all right, we're, we're going to, we're not going to, we're not going to give you the, the smart delivery version of, of this game that you bought back on the PS4, regardless of, of when you bought it or how much you paid for it. So you're going to have to pay us again if you want the PS5 version. And then they're like, okay, and then we're going to charge you to get the controller uh, version that has all the adaptive triggers and the haptic feedback and all of the, the bells and whistles that make this generation unique, that's gonna be in a director's cut that you're gonna have to spend extra money on even if you already own the game. Oh, and any of the games that you bought or that you got through PS Plus that paid, that that required to get cloud trans or cloud saves and play on multiplayer that required service that you need to be able to play games online any of the games that we gave you through that are not eligible for any of the upgrades that are coming to any of these games for their for our new next gen console so all that being said I have to say that Jim Ryan has really got to pull his head out of his ass because it's fucking stupid they really don't know what, like they're doing what a business does. And that's understandable because they're a business. They're not humans. They're not looking at the human perspective. But then I read lines like this. Our top priority continues to be improving the PS5 supply situation. So as many players as possible can experience everything that PS5 offers and what's still to come. What that reads as we're going to be trying to get as many PS5s to people because we want their money. That's all you had to say. We're going to try and make sure that you guys can spend your money on PS5 and we're going to raise the prices. We don't care about that because we want you to buy it because we know that we've got the best IP and we know that we've got a ton of stuff coming out and he's not wrong. They, they really do have the best IP right now. They got some of the best studios in the industry making some really fan fucking tastic games, games that I want to play, but their hubris is is like i need them to realize they're fucking up and if they don't stop they're going to turn into another ps3 and they don't want that they want to be the ps4 they want to be the ps4 they're riding on the goodwill of the ps4 and it is slowly waning because every time they pull a move like this where they raise the prices of their consoles or they charge for a director's cut for a game that was made by the director coming out and saying, I don't understand why there's a director's cut. I am the director. I put out the version that I wanted. This is marketing. You lose a little bit of that that face, that, that mask that you have on that says, we're good to our consumers. We care about you. Just a little bit of it chips away even more. And I look at Microsoft and I think, well, Microsoft is, is doing the same kind of shit. It's not nearly as bad, but I can't understand why Phil Spencer can go on uh, on an interview and say, I think that there's going to be fewer exclusives to consoles in the future. And a year earlier, buy an entire ZeniMax publishing arm 
that has Bethesda take all of those games that are going to be new IPs in the future and make them exclusive because it doesn't make sense. But it does if you look at it from this perspective where they're like, oh, people have short memories. They're not going to remember that we bought Bethesda and started to make all of their new IP 100% exclusive to the Xbox console. They're going to look at the current situation of them trying to purchase Activision Blizzard and say, we think there's going to be fewer exclusives in the future. So you don't have to worry about this big publishing arm that we are buying. Don't worry about them because there's going to be fewer exclusives in the future. Very nebulous thing. They don't actually say all of the games that are going from or that are that are coming to Microsoft's uh, portfolio through the Activision Blizzard deal is going to be made third party or, or made so that it's on other consoles. It's just saying, I think there's going to be fewer exclusives, which can then be construed into Microsoft is going to be doing fewer exclusives, which may be true, but we don't know if that's timed exclusives, console exclusives, PC exclusives. Like there's so many little qualifiers to that statement that did not get fleshed out. So it's not like not like Xbox is out of out of the hot water either, but Sony for whatever reason just loves to step in shit all the time. And I don't know how much longer uh, Jim Ryan is is going to be president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment because everything that comes out of his mouth seems to be the stupidest fucking thing I hear about how to run a business that tries to cater to an entertainment industry where everything that you do is luxury. None of it is necessary. All of it is luxury. And if you continue to chip away at the goodwill of the people who are spending their hard-earned money on this luxury product, eventually people are going to get sick of it and be like, mm, I'm, I'm getting screwed over too much. I don't, I don't know that I necessarily need this. I will shop around and see where else I can get entertainment from. So, um, that was, that was the, the big news that kind of hit after Gamescom, uh, came out for Sony. Um, it's a real shame too, because there were some good news articles that came out from Sony, uh, regarding a new controller that they announced as well as integration for discord chat into their PS five, uh, in the coming months. Um, hopefully probably in September. Um, I did want to talk about this DualSense Edge because I do think that it pertains to Xbox controller owners, uh, and there's an interesting reason why. So um, if you don't know, Sony announced on Gamescom, uh, or no, what was it? Um, on uh, one, no, I always forget what the name is. What, what the hell is the name of Jeff's thing? Opening Night Live. Uh is 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 what jeff does every every gamescom um they introduced the DualSense edge which is a wireless controller for the ps5 it's their first ever high performance ultra customizable controller according to their press release uh and it is essentially the competitor to the xbox series x controller um if you take a look at this there's uh i'm going to read from the blog post from actual PlayStation's blog post, uh, ultra customizable controls. You can make the DualSense Edge wireless controller uniquely yours by remapping or deactivating specific button inputs and fine tuning your aim by adjusting stick sensitivity in dead zones. Uh, in addition, each trigger is adjustable with the option to tailor travel distance and dead zones to your preference. For example, you can manually reduce travel distance of the triggers for faster inputs in competitive FPS games uh, or reduce the dead zone for precise throttle control in racing games. Um, 
I don't really know too many games that are FPS games for the PlayStation 5 that aren't available on other consoles. So I'm imagining they're talking about Fortnite, Apex, Battlefield, Call of Duty, Destiny 2. Uh, what else is there? That's kind of it. There's 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 other FPSs out there, but those are the main ones. Um, the ability to save multiple control pi or control profiles. Once you've found your ideal control settings, you can save them to a unique profile and swap them between or swap between them on the fly. With DualSense Edge Wireless Controller, you'll always have your preferred controls for your games ready to go. Whether you're facing Norse gods or in monsters in God of War Ragnarok or rival blah 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 online royale. So basically profiles. Uh, there's going to be on controller user interface. Uh, the dedicated FN, which I'm assuming is short for function, uh, the dedicated FN button allows you to easily adjust your setup while staying focused on the in-game action. Quickly swap between your preset control profiles, adjust game volume and chat balance, and access the control profile settings menu to set up and test new control iterations while in-game. These two buttons, I will say, are just below the thumbsticks. And as you know, the, the PS5 controller has, um, um, oh my God, I just, <laughs> I just thought of, they're a synchronous button, synchronous control sticks, not asynchronous like the Xbox controller, in line. Um, so they're right below that. Similarly to the Xbox Series X controller, you can now have changeable stick caps and back buttons three types of swappable stick caps, standard, high dome, and low dome, help you stay comfortable in the game while maintaining grip and sustained stability. The two swappable sets of back buttons, half dome and lever, which I'm, I'm not quite sure how that really plays out because it doesn't look like the standard paddles that you'll find on an Xbox Series X or even the single paddles that they sold for the PS4 controller um, shortly before the console actually was, you know, dead, uh, I bought one and actually really enjoyed it. I thought that the programmable buttons for the PS4 controller were good. I liked them. They were different than the Series X, but then again, I think the Series X is a lot lower profile. Uh, even though if I use them for too long, um, my fingers start to hurt because they're not used to that kind of movement. And I, I just, I don't know. It's a weird thing, but anyway, it's, um, those can all be conf uh, configured uh, to be any other button input, putting more essential controls at your fingertips. Companies need to realize something right now. And maybe this is just a Logan thing. I don't want to necessarily remap the buttons I already have. Sometimes I want to remap buttons so that I have more buttons so that I have more button combinations, so that if I want to hold the back lever and press the X button or the, the what's another one? What do they have? Square button. Uh, then I get a different button action. And then it's not just remap the face buttons to the back paddles, because that's what you can do. I don't necessarily want to do that. Um, but those are the things that are coming. They got, they finally got bat paddles. They finally got uh, removable um, stick caps is what they're calling them and back buttons. So it's very interesting. Here's the real kicker. Here's the thing that I think Sony is stepping up and going beyond what I think the series, uh, the, the uh, elite series two can do. You can replace the actual sticks the actual stick modules, not just like the little cap that goes on top, the entire 
module that is the uh the little box that has all of the little technology for a stick the thing that causes drift you can replace those now play longer with the ability to replace fully individual stick modules on the controller these are something that's going to be sold separately what happens is the black little casing that is over top of the actual sticks and the the ps button and the and the little microphone button that lifts up and then you can slide out the actual stick modules uh, the way you would remove joy cons with ease off of a switch it's that easy and i think this is probably one of the best ways to hide that your controllers have serious stick drift issues uh, while at the same time taking care of the fact that if you need to replace it you don't have to go and buy an entire new controller uh, one of the biggest complaints about the series one elite series one controller i think it might be the series two controller as well too i'm not 100 on that has been that the design of the right bumper or no right bumper left bumper i think it's the left bumper everyone complains about the left bumper on the elite series controllers always dies and, and you can't easily replace that. You typically have to tear open the controller to be able to remove it. And that doesn't always work because you have to get a, a, another bumper as well too. And the way the bumpers are, you just basically have to have another controller that has the same bumper that works to replace it. I love watching videos on that stuff. So that's why I know something about it. Not a lot, but I know something. Uh, but being able to lift up the panel, remove the controllers, uh, the sticks themselves by module, is a brilliant change that I don't think that Xbox could emulate because of the asynchronous design. I think Sony really has really kind of thought about the shape of their controller, how it works and how they can future-proof themselves, not only by making money on replaceable stick modules, uh, but getting rid of the complaints that people have about um, uh, stick drift, um, which I'm surprised they haven't gotten sued over yet. Uh, the built-in DualSense wireless controller features, last thing I think, uh, the DualSense Edge controller or wireless controllers retain the signature comfort and immersive experience of the DualSense wireless controller when playing supported games, including haptic feedback, adaptive triggers, built-in microphone, motion controls, and more. I will say, I think this controller, the DualSense Edge, will beat out the Series X controller. And the reason why I say that is because they are future-proofing the hardware, the, the failing parts that can be replaced that fail the most often. Uh, the built-in built battery is on par with the Series X. The adaptive tr triggers are better than what Xbox has. They are building in trigger locks the way that the, series, the Elite Series controller has. Uh, they still have haptic feedback, which is better than what the Elite Series has. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, but, 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 but they have the back paddle now. They only have, I think one per side. So I don't think it's quite nearly as good as the two panels, but I haven't seen like how these work. I've seen what they look like, but I haven't seen what they, how they work. So I'm still reserving judgment on that. Uh, but having a microphone built into the controller, not really necessary. It's interesting. I have mine muted all the time because I don't want people listening in to whenever I get a trophy and it's and I'm sitting there like having an argument with my cat over whether they need to get fed or not because they don't and genuinely when they're saying they do it's because they just think that I'm going to you know roll over and give them more food that's not the case 
I, most of the time. Sometimes it is. Most of the time it's not. I try not to. They they don't need to be fed all the time. Like once every, you know, doesn't matter. Anyway, so I think that the DualSense Edge, great announcement and really just a, a really smart design for the future proofing of their controller. I'm hoping that this thing isn't $250 because I would like to have one. But at the same time, we got confirmation that the PSVR 2, which we already have seen and kind of know what's going to be going on with that, uh, we got confirmation that that is going to be landing early 2023, which means that I will be picking up one of these things. Chances are it's probably going to be the VR headset because I really want to get into VR. I want to experience it. And I think that Sony is going to have a better catalog of games that will uh, hopefully give me an on par, if not better experience than what the MetaQuest 2 can offer. I just hope that that thing comes in at a reasonable price. But when I look at them hiking the prices of their consoles, I can't help but think this thing and the PSVR 2 are going to be really, really expensive. And I hate that idea because I don't want to have to pay more than I think I should have to. All right, let's get into some Xbox news. Uh, there is a bit of information that came out as a result of the Gamescom uh, showcase with Xbox when they were doing their stream. We got a really nice little look into Grounded. Uh, this is the game that's made by Obsidian uh, that is coming out of Game Preview and launching on September 27th in about a month. It's going to be available for $39.99 or on Game Pass if you want to uh, be able to play that on any of the systems that Xbox puts out. Uh, this is a game that is a, a really interesting Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which if you're old enough to know that reference, then great. If not, kids are shrunk down somehow in stuck in their backyard, and it's up to them to build and survive out in this backyard uh, amongst all of the insects that are out there trying to kill them for the most part. Uh, spiders as well as ants. You've got uh, weevils and ladybugs. You've got koi fish out there they're going to be bringing in praying mantis as a boss and wolf spiders of course um and there's they they did a really good job of kind of showcasing this if you haven't checked it out i would recommend doing so uh it's a really really fun game and it's up to four player co-op so if you're into survival at all or if you're into um fun kind of aesthetics where you can kind of build up your own place uh they've added mushroom bricks to the game so if you've uh, wanted to build your own castle in a backyard uh, now is a great opportunity to be taking a look at that I thought that was uh, I, that was something that I caught that I didn't really see. Uh, they've got ladders to be able to tra traverse uh, much higher ground now instead of just the normal stairs. Um, but I really love this game. I think this game is is one that when I get to sit down and play it with a bunch of friends, uh, I always have a good time. I always enjoy kind of going out and gathering supplies, working on building the fort while they go out and kill things and bring back all the little uh, bits and parts of the uh, insects to be able to start working on new armor and crafting better armor to be able to take on uh, bigger, bigger threats. Um, and this game originally, when it came out, really didn't seem like it was going to have a whole lot to it. It was a good idea and premise and they had something going for it, but there wasn't really a good story. Now they've actually got a story and now they're going to be releasing it with the full on story as well as supporting the game for the for the foreseeable future honestly so if you get a chance i would take a look at that uh it was nice to kind of see them represented over at gamescom they had a giant uh, broodmother spider uh, to take pictures with 
And honestly, I think it's it's probably going to be one of the better f- like game studio or Microsoft Studio games to come out this year. Um, there really has not been a whole lot that's come out this year. Uh, we've had more updates to games than anything with uh, Forza Horizon Hot Wheels and, and things like that. Um, so it'll be nice to see a straight up just game launch coming from the Microsoft Studios uh available for us in the next month next we've got uh the tmnt collection or the teenage mutant ninja turtles collection this is one that i'm actually really excited about um i love the turtles games i think a lot of the teenage mutant ninja turtle games uh, are fantastic there's there, i've been playing them since the nintendo entertainment system when that first came out and this is one of those games that is going to be uh releasing with all of the original 13 games that has come out and that's coming out next month uh, or actually no not next month next it is still september no is it september it's not september it's august it's coming out on august uh which is the 30th and this is one that i think you need to pick up especially if you're a turtles fan um if you're just looking for a reason to preserve history uh this is a great opportunity to pick up all of the uh old old turtle games that are hard to get a hold of and hard to get systems to actually play them on nowadays so if you're looking to try out any of these some of them really bad some of them fantastic uh especially the arcade ones like turtles in time and uh, uh, things like that are, are great to be able to jump in and play in. Uh, there's You can save any time. There is a rewind function, which I always love. Uh, you can change the button mapping. And there's also the online and, and local co-op play, which I think is something that I think a lot of us had a fun time with when Shredder's Revenge came out earlier this year. Uh, and you can play up to six players. Um, I think my community jumped on. We, we spent a morning with a couple hours and we all just kind of bashed our way through it had a really good time with it it was fantastic uh this one's up to four players obviously with tm tmnt there's four turtles uh so i would i if you guys haven't had a chance i would definitely say that this is one that is worth taking a look at especially if you are a fan of uh turtles um they've had collector's editions up for sale for a while and uh, I think that it retails for $40, if I'm remembering correctly. Let me take a look at the actual uh, Xbox thing here. Let's see, not sold separately. What is it? Oh, it's the Cowabunga collection. That's why. Unfortunately, no, that, that is the thing. That's interesting. Their website is not showing what I wanted to show. Okay, yes, it is $40 if you want to buy this. That is a a very good price considering how many games you're actually going to be getting with this. If you look at Nintendo's games, they sold the Mario Collection, which was just, uh, what was it? 64, Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy 1. They didn't even put Mario Galaxy 2 in there, and that was a $60 bundle uh, for those three games. Now, granted, you, you may argue that those games are really, really good. I'm telling you right now, there are 13 of these classic TMNT games from Konami in one package with all of the little extra bits that you would hope that you would get out of uh, them doing these kind of ports. Something that I would expect like Digital Eclipse to do. Like Digital Eclipse does fantastic collaborations to bring games like the Disney Afternoon Collection together, um, things like that, to, to be able to add functionality to old games that were originally programmed to be just very painful because they were they were meant to be on rental store shelves and you were meant to rent them 
and then not get far and then have to rent them again. Uh, this really kind of alleviates a lot of the, the problems with that kind of thing, with things like being able to save at any time, being able to rewind, uh, things that you would see in, in some of the games that you can um, actually play on the Nintendo Switch Online. And, and I, I just, I love that. So if you get a chance, there's smart delivery. So you can buy the Xbox one and get the, the version that works for the series S and X as well to uh, check them out. Cause I, I think you're going to be surprised. Um, this is one that I'm really glad is, is actually coming out and I'll probably, probably end up buying this uh, physically if I can. Um, so that way I can actually have it. And, and actually, cause I think all of the games are actually going to be available. Most games right now are not going to be all on the disc. When you get it, it's going to be like, you get a download code or you have to download part of it. I think everything's going to be on the physical disc this time. So I think that's, this is one of those few, few instances where I'm probably going to actually pick up the physical version of it. All right, let's talk about the, saddest part of this week which was saints row uh saints row a long franchise that's had many many uh installments in the franchise over the coming years has had a lot of history with trying to compete with uh oh, what is it grand theft auto i don't know why i said gears of, of war for some reason but grand theft auto um this is a, a reboot of the franchise it is not a continuation of what they've had in the past it's not a remake of, a, of an earlier game this is a reboot of the franchise coming to us from deep silver volition uh and and from what it looks like it does not look like it's a very good game it looks like it is a game uh but it doesn't look like it's got a lot of polish it looks like it needed a lot more time and really does kind of prove that even a game that has as much marketing as it does has as much um interest as as it can can still end up being a cyberpunk 2077 um this game looks like it really needed to bake in the oven for at least another year it seems like they really needed to kind of uh test and try out their game see like and i feel like they know what they're putting out there i feel like a lot of a lot of studios know when there are major bugs in their game they're not they're not oblivious to this they've got people testing it all the time they're playing it they're seeing how things work uh in 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 few instances some studios the testers will have a set way of playing things and they do not try and really mess around with that they just try to try and break things and if it's not like a critical error and they're getting too close to launch they will put that game out. They don't. They they will not hesitate to just put that game out. Uh, so unfortunately, this looks like one of those situations where Saints Row needed to come out. Um, they knew that they weren't going to really be able to do a whole lot to improve the gameplay. Uh, they may come out with patches, um, but it needed a lot more polish. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Pull the. I'm going to pull the actual uh, little blurb at the very end. The verdict for IGN's review, where they gave it a six out of ten, uh, and says for a game that gives us so much freedom to be exactly who we want to be via a superb customization options. It's odd that Saints Row itself struggles to forge its own identity when it comes to the types of wanton criminal activities it makes available to us. There's definitely no shortage of shallow shoot 'em up uh, thrills to be had here, but it is a very familiar and uninspired brand of sandbox fun that's unlikely to wow anybody who's played a Saints Row game before, much less a GTA. There's a few spectacular story moments in the city of Santo uh, Eliso serves as a sprawling new playground full of surprising antiquated and non-interactive amusements. 
but the distant lack of new gameplay ideas and the frequency of with which some of the uh, of its least interesting ones are reused means this saint row feels more like a repetitive retread than a proper reboot it's definitely a new gang of saints but they're guilty of the same old sins which is uh, funny because I think there's a lot of reverence in uh, in previous Saints Row games or Ro Saints Row games where they just get really really crazy. So I can't imagine that they're still being able to do quite what they did in the previous games. But it's a shame that everyone seems to really feel like this game uh, just was not. It feels like an old gen version of a sandbox, and we've we've come a long way with our sandboxes, uh, and done a, a really good job with open world games. And just goes to show that even though Ubisoft is quite a formulatic, uh, formulaic um, studio, a lot of the or company, a lot of the studios tend to put out games that look and feel very similar to each other. I would argue. Sony has games that do the exact same thing with all of their studios, but uh, Ubisoft is the one that makes all of the open world games. So when I look at what their games are and I play through their games, I have a lot of fun playing through their games. And yes, there is jank. There is 100% still jank in a lot of Ubisoft games. I was watching a playthrough of New Dawn the other day and it was full of jank, but they still do a much better job than what other studios are able to do. And I and I, I want to say that that's either because they do it all the time, so they're familiar with it, or they just have a higher pedigree of developers who know how to develop a game as opposed to what's going on with Saints Row. Uh, it remains to be seen what will happen with this franchise, if Saints Row will continue on with this new gang of uh, saints, or if they're going to try something different or maybe go back to the well and try and bring back something that people actually liked uh, for future iterations. You mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. So those are the things that are coming out or are already out for Xbox that really are worth talking about. Let's talk about Gamescom because we got uh, a really good article that I'm going to pull from IGN. Alex Simmons is the one that wrote this up. I think it's a great summary of the big things that came as a result of uh, Gamescom this week. And we're going to talk about them kind of working our way down the list of the article. I'm going to pull directly from this article and then I'm going to put a link in this so you can give them a click because they deserve the uh, credit. So thank you, Alex, for writing this up. As always, a fantastic job. One of the big news is uh, big things to come out of Gamescom this week was the confirmation that Dead Island 2 is actually a game and that it is actually a game that is going to be coming out instead of what we thought it was, which was just vaporware, much like, um, oh gosh, what's the one with the monkey? We just had it, uh, a trailer. It's coming from uh, Ubisoft as well, too. Oh God, what is the name of that game? It's um, Beyond Good or Evil 2. That's it. Uh, that is a game that I do not believe will actually come out. I, I imagine that it, it may come out in the very, very distant future in an alternate universe, but I, I do not think that game is actually going to show up. Uh, but Dead Island 2, surprisingly, is. And uh, here's a little blurb that Alex wrote up for it. It says, after eight years in the wilderness, Dead Island 2 is back and is uh, gorier than ever. Despite being built from the ground up, Dead Island 2 feels a lot like the early version of the game that debuted back in 2014. LA's undead infested boulevards are instantly familiar, as is the minute-to-minute -minute zombie, zombie massacring. Uh, but it's so much more disgusting. 
The procedural tech, the new go gore system nicknamed Flesh, means there are unlimited ways to dismember your enemies, hacking off limbs with swords, popping open heads with a well-placed Molotov, and so much more. Based on what we've seen, it's a game likely to turn stomachs as well as heads. The interesting thing here, and I'm very curious to find out some more about this when we get uh, more details, is is Dead Island 2 actually set on an island? Because the first one, in my my understanding of it, is. Um, it's set on a resort island, and everyone turns to zombies, and you are having to try and save yourself from dying on this uh, on this island, this resort island, and get away. So much like, um, I would say, Dying Light 2, this is a game that many people asked for uh, when we wanted, when Dead Island 1 came out. And now we're finally going to be able to get uh, Dead, Dead Island 2 after so many years of, of waiting for this zombie open world RPG style game. It is, the, uh, it is the undead Breath of the Wild that we've all been hoping for. Next is High on Life. Uh, this is the one that comes from co-creator co Rick and Morty and Solar Opposites. Uh, high on Life has you as a high school uh, student or, or uh, fresh out of high school, I guess, not into college yet, uh, with no job, no ambition. And you become a bounty hunter once you find out that uh, aliens, an alien cartel, is, is getting high off of uh, humanity's um, body chemistry i don't know they're using humans to as as drugs and they're invading earth to come and steal humans to be able to do this so you run into a bounty hunter who is retiring uh and has no place to live and they say hey if uh if you set me up on your couch i will i will help you learn how to become a bounty hunter so your job is to go out and hunt down the cartel mob bosses uh, using a Gatlin, which is, or I think it's a Gatlin, is the name of the, the creature that is the gun that you're going to be using. Not a Gatlin gun, but a Gatlin species uh, that looks like a gun. And you use them to uh, shoot and traverse, or yeah, yeah, there's a knife. There's a knife that blocks, deflects, curses, and uses as a grapple um, to, to get around areas uh you're you're gonna get some weird weapons with us they're all gonna talk to you they're gonna be like your partner in the ear kind of thing and uh you're gonna go around basically killing off a bunch of aliens um this is an xbox exclusive uh this is a very mature game which makes sense given the the nature of the creators and i would say that this is one of those ones where this is probably going to be the best comparison to Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart that we have. Um, clearly, there's a difference in, in, you know, level of studio. You know, this is not going to be what most people would consider a AAA game. It'll definitely be a good game, but it's not like a um, Callisto Protocol level of game as far as like fidelity and stuff. This is going to be a lot more uh, kind of... Uh, I, I would say it's a, a really good game that from what it looks like, um, I think there's still some movement issues that didn't quite look quite as well, but or as as good as they could be. But uh, we're also still looking at footage from a non-released game. So I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to weigh judgment too much on this, but I do think it will be a uh, pretty good game. Uh, the next one to come out was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. This was a this this was a really interesting one because I remember watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space as a horror comedy movie, like back in the eighties, and it's scaring the crap out of me. 
and I hate clowns as a result. Uh, but Killer Clowns from Outer Space is coming to us. Uh, it is a 3v7 asymmetric multiplayer game where you are going to be playing either as seven survivors uh, or three Killer Clowns from Outer Space. This is from the uh, director of Friday the 13th game, which a lot of people really love, uh, with a team of humans crafting weapons to defend themselves against the invading clowns. And that's clowns with a K, because uh, they had to do the KK with killer clowns. Uh, it's being made in collaboration with the movie's creator, uh, which is very interesting, uh, or creators, I should say, and promises to be the schlocky goofiness that made the original a cult classic, uh, according to Alex. So uh, very interested to see how this turns out. Asymmetrical games right now are very big. A lot of people really loving that kind of PVE uh, or not PVE. But it's, yeah, I would say it was like a PVP, but a kind of weighted PVP. So it's not same numbers against each other. Um, I think we're still waiting on that Resident Evil one, too. I don't think that one's out yet. I can't remember what that's called, but I don't think the Resident Evil one's out yet either. Um, there is one that was very beautiful looking that, that was announced here, uh, and that's Where Winds Meet. Um, I am a big fan of Ghost of Tsushima. If, if you've talked to me at all about PS4 games, PS5 games that I've loved, I will tell you it's, it's God of War, Horizon, and then Ghost of Tsushima. And those are the, the main ones that I would, I would say outside of like uncharted but i've only i haven't played all the uncharted so this is where the wind meets in ghost of tsushima set in medieval china so not japan or an island off of japan uh it is a vast open world rpg that promises greater freedom and player choice than a sucker a sucker punch blockbuster um that it is clearly inspired from the trailer showcased horse riding combat hunting and more against a gorgeous backdrop of 10 kingdoms china but it is the ability to choose your own destiny that really makes the game stand out with the depth of choice depth of choices making each adventure truly unique I was very impressed with the look of this game. I think it's very beautiful. I think it'll be very interesting to play through this uh, and have it be set in China. And there is a lot of uh, mystical kind of magical aspects to this. Uh, you definitely see that you're going to be fighting some types of demons and that those demons have a lot of power and you are going to have to be dealing with that. Um, much not too unlike, uh, I would say, Wukong. Uh, that is coming out as well too so we're getting a lot of very interesting games out of china i think the backdrop of china is a very interesting uh, very beautiful one for one but very interesting in the way that they deal with magic compared to many other studios that have magic in there uh, and speaking of magic, we got another trailer for Hogwarts Legacy that got pushed back to 2023. Uh, real shame about that. But we did get a collector's edition announced, uh, as well as a dark arts um, edition that will give you a Thestral, which if you know what a Thestral is, then good on you. Uh, if you don't, sorry. Um, as well as dark arts close. Uh, it was interesting to get the idea that we might be able to dabble more with the dark arts than uh, originally thought. Uh, in the collector's edition was really beautiful because it actually has like a book open and apparently a wand that floats above the book. I don't know how this works. I'm assuming magnets, um, but I'm very curious about that. The trouble comes down to how much it costs, because I think that the book and the wand are the, the centerpieces of this uh, collector's edition but it is also $300. And uh, honestly, that is that is a high high price to be spending. I just uh, purchased the 
Destiny 2 Collector's Edition, and after shipping, that cost me close to that, and this is like the base actual, base actual cost of that. Plus, that is a game that I 100% I know I'm bought into. I'm still, I'm sold on Hogwarts, but I'm not necessarily sure that it will be a 10 out of 10. I think it'll be an 8 to a 9 out of 10. So very kind of interesting, or interesting in my, my sense of like how those two games are kind of lining up. Uh, moving into the rest of the Gamescom news, uh, Callisto Protocol was uh, had another trailer and again just continues to show how polished and how beautiful this game is going to be. Um, it is gory as shit. I think this is going to be uh, the new Dead Space. Um, I think that the, the, the original makers of Dead Space have really stepped it up when it comes to visuals um, and, and design. I think they've really come up with some very interesting creatures that you're going to be fighting against. And I think that the level layout really does kind of show just how far they've come compared to the original Dead Space, which a lot of people have a lot of reverence for. It is a very good game. Uh, so the Callisto Protocol is another that promises to be so much more than uh, an homage to what, it ins what it's inspired by. Indeed, Striking Distance's survival horror shares much of the same DNA as Dead Space, but it's evolved into something new that thanks to brutal melee combat, clever stealth design and in-depth weapon upgrades we particularly love the mutations which can turn relatively innoc uh, innocuous enemies into vicious multi-limbed creatures cre uh, cre no multi-limbed killing machines in the blink of an eye and what they're talking about is if you if you shoot a weapon and you damage an enemy in a certain way they can mutate uh, which is very very freaky i saw a thing the other day grew a couple arms and it had like lost its head or something like that. It was it was crazy. The next little bit that I wanted to jump into is a game that for whatever reason everyone is latching onto the 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 inspiration of and just being like, oh, that's weird. I don't understand that. And that's lies of P. Uh, lies of P is in like a, you're lying to someone about the the truth of the matter. Lies of P is a souls like based on the dark retelling of Pinocchio, which understandably you can see why they left out the Pinocchio aspect of the P in the name, Lies of P. And the lies uh, obviously referencing the nose and growing as a result of uh, him telling lies and stuff like that. But uh, Lies of P showed off a brand new gameplay trailer uh, revealing new locations and enemies, as well as the inclusion of other characters from the story. In one scene, Pinocchio is faced with a man who calls him Son, presumably his creator, Geppetto. But given the game's twisted nature, it's much more sinister than it has any right to be. There's also a hint that Jiminy Cricket might feature, but since the cheerful Cricket previously only appeared in Disney's version of the story, we're intrigued to see how it might play out. And that's true. Uh, Jiminy Cricket in the in the Disney show was was a was an actual cricket. We'll we'll have to figure out how it's actually represented in Pinocchio. The characters look fantastic. The gameplay looks very interesting. You have kind of a clockwork arm as as Pinocchio that you can upgrade and change into different weapons. It's very interesting. It's kind of like a Mega Man blaster in a sense, but very uh, steampunk, if you will. Uh, and it does look like it is set in kind of a, a dystopian Victorian era. Very interested to see how people jump into this. Um, there was an interview with the creators, uh, and they did talk about how there is going to be a tie into uh, the storytelling 
and how uh, his nose will be a, a factor in the actual game. We just don't know 100% sure outside of it growing or how that's going to work out. Uh, but this is definitely a game that reminds me of Alice from the, the Alice in Wonderland uh, story. But the Alice, uh, what was it called? Descent in the Madness? Madness something? I can't remember. But uh, those games were based on the story of Alice in the Wonderland or Through the Looking Glass, depending on what you want to go by. But took the characters and twisted it, made it into a very kind of Tim Burton-esque style. And that's kind of what's going on with Pinocchio here. Which is very funny considering that there is a Pinocchio movie movie actually coming out from Disney uh, starring Tom Hanks as Geppetto. That's uh, got a mix of live action and CGI characters um, soon. So very interested to see how this all, it's like maybe we're getting into the era of Pinocchio. And then lastly, I think I will uh, take a quick break. We'll come back and then we're going to talk about Destiny. All right, so I play Destiny 2 quite a bit. It's one of my favorite games nowadays. It's one of the few service games that constantly gives me uh, something to do when I only have like an hour or so that I want to play. Um, I can jump in for a little bit and then jump out, not feel like I'm, I'm really ditching anyone, and I can get quite a bit done in that amount of time. And this Gamescom was really fantastic because one of my favorite games, Destiny, now has announced its latest expansion due out in February called Lightfall. And you may be thinking, okay, and I have no clue what that means. Well, <laughs> little do you know, this is going to be the cyberpunk of Destiny. Uh, they're, and not in a bad way, by the way. It's going to be a good way. Uh, they are finding a brand new destination called uh, Neo... Wait, what was it called? It was like Neo Man. Oh, I just, I can't believe I forgot what it was called. What is the name of their neon metropolis city? New Neo Muna. That's what it is, Neo Muna. It's on Neptune, uh, which is a planet that I believe they've had in the past. Uh, and it brings on a whole new campaign. Uh, the city is under siege. Find the strength in your fellow guardians as the end of all things approaches. It is the the, the quintessential light versus dark. Uh, the the uh, new dark power that's coming with this is called Strand. Harness darkness and pluck at the threads of reality with a new subclass flow through the city with newfound speed as you grapple from building to building every class can tap into this new element but it's up to you to create the perfect build so warlocks are getting kind of a kinetic uh, abilities um, the hunter is getting like a rope with a dagger at the end of it and the titans are getting like two big stabby spikes on the ends of their fists because they punch and it looks fantastic. Uh, I am excited for this. It looks like something out of Blade Runner 2049. It's uh, all the all the 80s beautifulness that I just absolutely love. I cannot wait for this. Uh, I've already pre-ordered the collector's edition. That's how insane I am about this. That's how much I love Destiny 2. I don't buy games typically at launch. Destiny 2 is one of those few that I am willing to buy at launch. And uh, there's a lot that comes with it. So the standard edition is going to be the new campaign with legendary mode, uh, the new subclass strand, the new destination with Neptune, a brand new raid, new exotic gear, and a lot more. You're going to get access to the season passes as well. Uh, and if you pre-order, you get an exotic ghost and a legendary emblem uh, right off the bat 
I picked up the Lightfall Annual Pass Collector's Edition. So I'm going to get everything that I just said. I'm going to get access to the for the four seasons throughout the year. Uh, I'm also getting the uh, Quicksilver Storm Exotic Rifle Catalyst and Ornament, which uh, is is really nice. I actually really like it. It's an auto rifle that gives you the ability to get grenade launchers, which is... <laughs> It's fantastic. You start shooting grenades. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that's coming with this. I'm super, super excited to, to jump into the, the, the world. I, I can't believe they're doing cyberpunk. It's, it's amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. There's a whole new bunch of enemies that are going to be coming, uh, new friends that you're going to be working with. Um, and this kicked it all off. Like this was the beginning of Destiny kind of shooting their shot. Destiny is now going to be made available on the Epic Game Store. Uh, this whole week has been uh, free expansions everywhere. doesn't matter where you play. You can play any of the expansions that have come out except for the ones that they vaulted. So uh, Beyond Light, Witch Queen, um, all, uh, Shadowkeep, I think, is the last one before that. All of that stuff is available for free. You can play through all of the DLCs. Uh, doesn't matter if it's on Stadia, Xbox, PlayStation, PC, uh, Windows Store, anywhere. As long as you, if you can play Destiny 2, you have access to all of the content right now. And if you go over to the Epic Game Store, you can pick up Destiny 2 and the recent 30th anniversary that came out last November. That is the testament uh, to Bungie as a company and had a lot of themed items in there as well as uh, a, a new dungeon and a new... Um, event all of the guns and stuff are very reminiscent of halo guns like they've got the uh carbine the 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 alien carbine the covenant carbine they've got the uh, battle rifle they've got the um it's called the forerunner uh pistol but it, it's it's like the magnum it's amazing it's fantastic i continue to find myself uh, in, ingrained in this loop that they have. I love getting the power levels. I love hunting down specific weapons. Uh, the raids are really fun. I'm going to be running raids tonight. There's a new King's Fall raid that just came from D1 that they uprezzed, that they rebuilt from, from uh, what they had. They put it into the uh, D2 now. It's available for anyone. You can play King's Fall if you want. There was a world first race that happened this weekend. Um, I'm just, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm really, really happy because the current season, the season that just came out is Season of Plunder. And it's all piratey. Everything about it is piratey. Pirate this, pirate that. You get treasure tra chests. Uh, you find map fragments. Um, you have to go and do events, and then you dig up treasure. Um, it's stupid fun. It's just all stupid fun. And all of the cosmetics are geared towards piracy. It's fantastic. It's like my two favorite things. It's like Sea of Thieves and Destiny are all piracy type, pirate type stuff. And I, and I cannot wait for it. And I'm, I'm ready for more, honestly. Uh, and, and if you get a chance to go to the Epic Game Store and you pick up the 30th anniversary, uh, the dungeon that comes with that is actually uh, a Goonies built dungeon, a, a, a dungeon that is built solely off of the inspirations of Goonies and piracy. You're hunting around, you're dealing with booby traps. Uh, there's a skull cavern that you have to go into. Um, you, <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's all pirate based. I've been absolutely loving it. And I'm really excited for Lightfall. I think Lightfall is going to be uh, the, the, probably one of the best endings to the light and dark campaign. I think I'm really excited to see like where Destiny 2 goes. They said that they've got a lot of story that they're, that they're bringing forward after uh, Lightfall. And I'm, I'm, 
I really think that they've got it nailed. Uh, they're having a huge thing going on over in Fortnite right now, as well as uh, Fall Guys. You can get Destiny 2 skins in Fall Guys. You can get Destiny 2 characters in Fortnite. And you can get Fortnite skins in Destiny. The Eververse is selling skins that are based off of uh, famous characters in uh, Fortnite. And if you go over to Des if you go over to Fortnite, they've got Exo Stranger or uh, Elizabeth um, Elsa. No, El no, Elizabeth Bray. I think it's Bray. Wow, I, uh, the Exo Stranger. Uh, they've got um, Ikora Ray, and they've got Zavala all available in the uh, Fortnite store. I already bought the bundle because it was a fantastic to get the Exo Stranger and to uh, make a, do a victory, get a, uh, what is it called? Get a victory royale in Fortnite as the Exo Stranger. It was hilarious. So they're just, Destiny's popping off right now. And it's gonna be even better when it comes in February when the the whole new expansion comes out. I'm gonna really love that. It's It's been so much fun spending time in destiny um and if you if you if you feel like you've not really been able to penetrate the barrier to entry for this um i would say come hang out in my discord uh or or in a friends of mine discord we have a clan we have people that um run raids and we do dungeons if if you're looking to kind of learn more about destiny 2 feel free to reach out to me i have no problems kind of explaining what's going on in it uh i i had friends explain it to me so now I can talk about what's going on with it and I'm just, I'm happy to have more people jumping into this because I really do feel like Destiny 2 is probably one of the best shooters out there. If you are, are looking for a shooter, if you're a fan of first person shooters, Destiny 2, it's hard to get better than that, honestly. There's very few shooters out there that I can point to and be like, mm, those feel better. Th this game really knows how to make you feel like you're winning at life uh, when you get headshots. And it's fantastic. They really know how to make those heads pop. Um, but that's what's going on with that. Uh, there are a bunch of other little things that will will kind of get closer and closer as we get closer and closer to the launches or to more news about them. We'll start to dive into some of the other announcements that came as a result of Gamescom. But for right now, this is kind of the immediate future and then the stuff that I'm excited about. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Uh, I'm going to try and uh, kind of cap it out now because it's already going longer than I anticipated. Um, so with that, if you have any questions or concerns, feel free to reach out to me. I'm over on Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. You can always write into the Xbox wrap up at gmail.com. The podcast uh, has a Twitter account as well, just at the Xbox wrap up. Um, and feel free to reach out. Let me know what you think about the show. Let me know what you think about the, uh, the, the, um, what is it called? The thing that I do, the the segments. Uh, if you like having the segments broken up into the different consoles, or if you don't mind if they're all big mashed into one big thing, let me know. I, I'd like to get some feedback on that. If not, no worries. I'm just gonna keep making this thing however I decide to make it. And if I get some feedback, people like this, people don't like this, I'll cater a little bit. But at the end of the day, I'm just here to try and get you guys some information because it's what I love. And if I love it, then there's a chance you might like it. And if you like it, then maybe you love it too. So. Anyway, hope you have a great weekend and I will see you all next week.